You're listening to the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Many people have talked about constructive criticism with a capital C in both words. I've always wondered about the construction of constructive criticism. It's time to talk about that here inside the podcast gauntlet. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Brian Ensminger, your other host. I think that feedback sessions have been, uh, I love them myself, because as most people know that listen to our program and know me, I like to talk. And but so when somebody asks me an opinion of something, I'm, I'm always glad to give it to incorporate the taco and or enchilada burrito of my collective work experience and then convey it. Mm -hmm. Have I always been great about taking in constructive feedback and commentary? I'm not so sure about that, but I'm certain we'll get to that today, Brian. <laughs> I never get my feelings hurt, right? No. I, yeah, it, it's totally, <laughs> especially as somebody who's putting in the time and the effort to put something out in the world. First off, it can be a little bit tough to get some feedback that makes you feel like somebody's saying your baby's ugly. But then there's also the, okay, I got past that first little hurdle, but what what do I do now? So somebody said there's something not quite right. So what? Like, what do I need to do? We're going to tap on this a couple of times during the conversation. Getting input from people outside your normal vein of influence and industry, I think, is also something that a lot of people end up skipping, mostly because it'll either cost more money or mm -hmm. they just don't think that it'll be worthwhile because, you know, what is somebody inside of underwater basket weaving going to tell me about podcasting exactly? Well, if they have a reasonably prolific podcast about underwater basket weaving, they may also be able to convey podcasting tips about a unique topic that you also have. Mm -hmm. So throwing the baby out with the bathwater inside of constructive criticism, I think, is a, a very dangerous practice and one that a lot of people overlook about getting really great constructive feedback from somebody outside your vein of interest. Right. There will always be a time to do that. And I think it should be every time that that vein is tapped. So you mentioned, there, I think there's one ditch on one side of the road, which is kind of just ignoring everything. And you certainly don't want to do that. Right. There's mm -hmm. also the other side of the road where you kind of just throw your brain out with the bathwater and you take <laughs> advice from anybody. And I, I actually have a story of where I did something like that, if you want to get into that now. because I, I, I do. I, I think that would be great. It was several years ago. And... I kept hearing about doing some air checks, right? So you want to do your own air checks. You listen back and you go, okay, what could have been better? But it was like, hey, you need to get some perspective that's outside your audience, which that should have been red flag number one, because why do I care about what somebody who is not my audience has to say as compared to someone who is my audience? But the idea was you want to get an outside third party. And the recommendation was to go to the, what is it? The Amazon Turk thing where you, you can hire somebody to do stuff and just have them listen to five minutes of your show. And so I did that. And all, all I asked was like, hey, listen to five minutes. Give me one or two things that could be better, one or two things that could be worse. And what I got out of that was not only completely useless feedback, but there were people who were selected by Amazon to review my show for, and it was just whoever was willing to do the thing, right? It was the Mechanical Turk thing, who disagreed fundamentally with the premise of my show. So I actually got one-star reviews out of the air check simply because they didn't like the content. It wasn't that they didn't like the quality of the show, although there were some gaps that were identified 
and they, they called those out. They were certainly kind enough <laughs> to mention that there were some quality gaps, but also the feedback was really hard to deal with because I was like, wait a minute, I asked for constructive criticism. I paid you for constructive criticism. And what you said was, I disagree fundamentally with the perspective of your show overall. And because of that, not only do I not have anything good to say about what could be made better, but also you're going to get a one-star review out of this. There's a couple of things that crop up there. I can remember when I pushed out something called the 24 and 60 plus the 24 and 60 plus was originally what I wanted to have was a collective review of each episode of the hit Fox show 24 in 60 seconds. (laughs) Right. And, and I tried that, but what I quickly eventually realized was that I was going to need to try something different. And so I added the plus. So it's still cool Hmm. and kitsch i.e. it's something about 24, you're going to get it in a reasonably short amount of time, and it's quick. So quick and humorous, the 24 and 60 plus. Got it. Check. I threw that to a number of different people. I I threw it to a bunch of 24 fans, which is kind of wheelhouse, duh. But I also threw it to a bunch of people that didn't watch the show at all, but like to watch television, because why not? Why not get their input? And what I got back from them was uh, everything in the range from... I'm not entirely sure I can understand what you're saying because you're talking so fast to I don't like the sound effects because there's lots of explosions and guns and shooting and whatever else inside of it to things very that were I thought were very effective in that they would say things like, I think I understand everything that happened inside the episode and it's a good synopsis, but it could also use and then they would give me something that could also be tucked in there reasonably quickly and I could go back and alter it if I wanted to. So I got a good solid range and spectrum there from people that were both inside and outside the vein. Now, later, I also got insight from people that were looking for voiceover artists because I put at least a portion of my 24 and 60 inside of one of my voiceover demos. And what I got consistently from that piece of voiceover demo was, I don't understand why you have that inside of your voiceover demo role. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Yeah. And the curiosity, the question mark that you had in your voice right there is exactly what I had inside of my own voice when I got that constructive feedback. Because I'm like, well, wait a second. So what you're telling me is that if you knew someone that could talk really fast, reasonably clearly about a television program that a lot of people are talking about, we wouldn't want to use that inside of a vein of voiceover discussion slash series of skill sets to be offered about a company. Yeah, or maybe to do the post roll for an ad where you have to list a bunch of disclaimers and you want somebody that can say words really quick and mumble them a bit. And thankfully, that person also sent back some feedback and they said, well, I I think you have to remember that my only inkling and solid reference for somebody speaking quickly is from back in the 1980s, where there was a dude that spoke incredibly fast. Yeah, the Micro Machine Man. Yeah, yeah. I could hope to speak that fast and clearly but I don't have a vein for it. There's not a, oh, and that's what I'll be doing because I can talk really fast and can talk really clearly. It's not a vein I would strike, but I do want to have that inside of my voiceover profile portfolio. And so the 24 and 60 does that. So uh, again, it's where you're going to get this cornucopia of feedback, depending on whom you ask, what their specific interests and perspectives are. And then you've got to take that and somehow massage it into what you want to be using it for. I love your story. I have yeah. a story that I'd love to share about feedback also. And it's with Dave Jackson and Eric K. Johnson, who have a wonderful program called the Podcast Review Show. 
And I had asked Dave and Eric to engage in two different programs. One was for What Cops Watch, the Fugitive Perspective Review that we did with Chief D. Giuseppe and a, a bunch of other really great people. And then the second one was for uh, another program that I happen to be a host inside of that one as well. It's called The Curious Goods. It's the review of each and every episode of the not-so-hit show from back in the 80s called Friday the 13th. And when you think Friday the 13th, a lot of people think hockey masks and large sharp knives and, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. I got it. Okay, well, that's not what this show was at all. The show was devil-ridden, cursed, antique items. That was the vein of the show. It had nothing to do with Friday the 13th that everybody knows about. It was the other Friday the 13th. And so that was very interesting as well because... Eric and Dave gave both their perspectives on what they were listening to, what in particular Eric's radio perspective was bringing Mm -hmm. to the game, but then also their collective podcast experiences of what they had heard previously and what they had not heard previously that was included inside the show and told us about it. It's an incredibly good thing to do. Uh, we'll, We'll put links to it inside the show notes, both down here in the description, but then also inside the formal show notes for the episode over at podcastgauntlet.com. I have to be honest, there was that instant shields up moment at the beginning of it when even the slightest bit of teeth were shown rather than, oh my God, I love this incredible content. (laughs) It's awesome. Well, we didn't get that either, by the way. What we got was some really great constructive criticism about how what we had could be either augmented, altered, or changed to foster what they thought the scope of the program would be to build audience listenership. Right. And my being able to tell all of you about that dialogue and what their goal was, was nowhere inside of Mike brain when I was hearing it live. (laughs) Yeah. It's tough, right? Oh, it's incredibly difficult. And the value of time is something, uh, It's so funny that we're talking about this. This morning, this is another wonderful story, and I love to tell stories. Our freezer started making this goony groaning noise about two weeks ago. And so twice in the last two weeks, I've now defrosted the freezer. And this morning, again, it was making it. So I called our home warranty company. I had them send a dude out. And, of course, the dude got there, and then the freezer wasn't making any sound at all. So I'm like, okay, Murphy's Law. I knew that was going to happen. But what he told me was that the parts inside the refrigerator and the freezer are old enough that they, they just, they can't be ordered. And so there's nothing that we can do to help you. And I'm like, okay, my instantaneous reaction is I'm angry, but you know what? I'm going to table it because I need to think about it because I need to think about it. <laughs> and I think that's probably the golden piece of getting any feedback, but then also being able to showcase that you're not like, like the machine has not stopped to process right. an answer. Yeah. That's the, you know, is it a smile and a nod just so that you can, yo, well, that's interesting, man. That's a bunch of horseshit, but I understand. That's great. What, what, what is, the, what is the, the default need to have reaction so that you can right. gloss through what you're getting? On a personal level, a lot of times what I'll do is just say, that's not something I've considered before. I'm going to need some time to think that through. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and there are some people that when they give feedback, they're looking for an instantaneous agreement with them. And, I like to think I'm pretty bright, but also sometimes it takes time to think stuff through because I think we'll talk about this because you already mentioned how sometimes the premise that you're working toward may not be what they're addressing. And so you have to think about how all the parts fit together because ultimately, while they're kind enough to provide you with their insight and their feedback, you're responsible for what you do with it. 
Uh, there's no, there's no question there, and <laughs> there's there's a couple of things that you've mentioned there that are are so hallmark that it, it it's hard to believe that we're we're actually stating them. Um, <laughs> the piece that I love about what we've constructed here inside the podcast gauntlet is that we can take these Goonie stories, whether they be podcast stories or not, and share them, and then go and grab some precocious vein of podcasting out of it and share it with our audience. I really do love that about this program. <laughs> And the one that instantly springs to life now is, I can remember the first time that my dad said, you know what, I'm going to have to marinate on that. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the reason I remember it is because the first time I heard it was at my graduation barbecue, where I told him I wanted to become a sign language interpreter, because he didn't know what to say. Like, yeah. he just, like, he had nothing. He had absolutely nothing. And so what he chose to do was grab a food analogy and throw that back at me because it's all he had. Mm -hmm. But it's so apt. It's so apt. And that, that's what's hilarious. As we record this, I'm 52 years old, and I'm remembering <laughs> something from just after I turned 18 yeah. in the front of a barbecue with my dad. That's what I love about podcasting. It, it really is storytelling and what you can leech from the past and use inside of your current. I love that. Yeah. Uh, one, one of the things that I like to do, especially if I have a little bit of time, so it can be a little bit different if I'm face-to-face -face and somebody's giving me feedback in the moment. But the first thing I like to do is just kind of consider my take on their goal, right? Is their goal to be helpful? Do I believe that they actually have my best interest in mind? Al altruism. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and if they don't, that doesn't mean I discount everything that I have to say, but it might color how I approach that. And it might... It might be something where, based on the way it's delivered, I might have to set it aside for a minute to let my amygdala calm down so I can actually consider it like a rational human being. And I think that's something that can be easy to forget when you have that initial knee-jerk reaction is just because it comes at you right now doesn't mean you have to deal with it right now. You can set that aside. It doesn't have to fester, but you can set it aside and go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about that. I'm going to come back to that later because... It might be something where the person, you think they're just being a jerk, and really they do have your best interest in mind. Maybe they just didn't have a better way to communicate it for whatever reason. And so even in that one-star review thing that I shared about earlier, there was still a nugget of truth that I took out of that. Now, it took me two or three days <laughs> to come back to it and go, okay, I can deal with this now. But that was that was something like now looking back, I'm I'm going... I don't know why, but I'm glad that I was aware enough to go, hey, we're going to have to step back for this for a second because I was at the point where, and, and I knew that they didn't have my best interest in mind, but I was going, it might be time to stop the show if this is the kind of reaction I got. And this was somebody who was not my audience, never going to be my audience, didn't have my best interest in mind. The best they could do was tell you, I hate everything about your show, but they called out one or two things that was like, okay, I can address this. Yeah. I think one of the, the Dagwood sandwich nuggets that I want to throw on top here is I remember getting our very our, our very first, right after iTunes began populating a series of abilities for people to review podcasts, I remember getting a series of one-star reviews inside of iTunes. And it had nothing to do with the content. It had nothing to do with the hosts or their picadillos. It was three words. I hate ads, exclamation point, one star. Mm-hmm. Well, it was content and that the ads were a piece of the content. Back then, ads were not a viable product nor wanted inside of something that is, one, provided for free. So why are you inserting ads that's heresy, essentially, is the feeling there. But then also it's like, 
especially back then, there wasn't just a little jog forward, fast forward button like we have now Mm -hmm. where you can just hit your 15 seconds to get past whatever you want and then you can continue listening and who cares? In fact, I I think it for at least several of them, they're still there. They're still there inside of the vein of the review sets inside of Apple iTunes slash Apple podcasts, but they're there and I remember them and those struck a chord, but my instant response was, okay, I understand then you guys are going to feel free to pay me to make the show because if I can sell ads and make money doing it, why wouldn't I? And I'll have a discussion all day long with, if you can give valuable anything, why wouldn't you then charge money for it? If you can, especially when it, when it's essentially a hobby, right? Uh, That was really, you know, that was the gold back then of finding a vein inside of podcasting that you could not only get paid for, but that you really enjoyed the time that you spent doing it. I mean, that, that, yeah. that's, why, that's why many get into podcasting. Well, and, and let's be honest. Also, if you're going to have a show with really high production value, it's likely going to involve a team. And having a team either means you've got a bunch of people who are passionately committed and well-qualified to offer their time and services for free, or they're getting some money from somewhere. And it can be right. grants, it can be ads, there are multitudes of ways. But the reality is, as much as I enjoy doing stuff, what I'm doing doesn't necessarily put food on my table. And if I have to make the call between f- putting food on my table or doing something for free, unless I've got a really, really, really compelling reason, like we're talking word from God type stuff, I'm going to put food on my table. That's why I've got shows that are on hiatus. I love making them, but the money is coming through other places and those cost money. So that time and that effort and that resource goes to the thing that makes money. Absolutely. All day long. Yeah. Brian, we've opened up so many boxes here. And I I think the one (laughs) question that we have, yeah. The one question that we have here is, what do you guys think? There's so much to talk about inside of the realm of especially constructive criticism, but really feedback in general, go on over to our website over at podcastgauntlet.com, fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think. Remember, you can also interact with us on any one of the many social media avenues and platforms that are there. Jump in, strike up a conversation and tell us how you are throwing down, discussing, rising and shining inside of podcasting. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Brian Ensminger, the other one of your hosts. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.